0: Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, just sitting down in the mic here. Thought I'd record a solo podcast. So Thanksgiving morning here. Gosh, a bunch has been going on since I last checked in with you guys. I kind of, I kind of touch on it in the intros and then the endings of those podcasts. What I'm up to, but uh, I thought I'd just sit down and record a podcast. I, I really want to talk about. You know, I just got all these thoughts just racing through my head as it's November mule deer season, which I just been going crazy here hunting weekends, trying to finish this house. Uh, trying to get my my outdoor stuff done, but man, it's just been so fun. I just had an amazing season. I know I have said it a bunch, but um, it's Thanksgiving today. I'm just super thankful for the for the life I get to live, my family, my opportunities, in the in the hunting industry. Like I just I just want to keep this. I want to keep making this podcast as good as I can make it. I know I say that all the time, but I just want to um, continue to have these important conversations and and to. You know, be able to articulate these thoughts I have about hunting and public land hunting. I just love working hard towards a goal. So in this podcast, I really want to talk about like the importance of, of finding these next level spots, just these spots where it goes crazy, where you can really give yourself a lot of opportunity. And and uh, especially me as a bow hunter, like uh, bow hunting, failure is a prerequisite. Like it is just tough. It's in it, and it's why I enjoy it so much. Like. So I've been hunting um, Montana in Montana. um, It's a general rifle season, but you can hunt with your bow. And so... You know, I just decided a long time ago that I'd rather kill smaller animals with my bow than bigger animals with my rifle. With my rifle, and I don't have anything against rifle hunting. It just—it seems so pompous to even talk about. It's it. why I keep trying to explain it. I just keep trying to find the right words to describe the feelings I have, you know, inside me and my motivations for it. And it—you know—it almost seems arrogant or, or pompous that you'd go hunt with a bow during rifle season. And there is some some safety issues too, as you're trying to get within bow range. Of, of a muley buck that everybody's out to try to shoot with a rifle. So there's definitely some safety issues, but I just... I'd shot enough animals with my rifle, and um, I feel like I graduated past it. Like, I could still be hunting for trophy-caliber animals with my rifle, but it's just, like, the, the challenge... Like, it's still challenging to find animals. I, I It just... It almost felt like I was starting to cheat. It felt like I was cheating with a rifle, and and two, like you get, like I'd find one buck that I want to shoot a big mature buck. I'd shoot him. My season's over. To where with a bow, like this year in Montana, in one day I had five or six stocks on mature animals. Where you're, you, you're, you're taking those little movements inside bow range and your stock, and with the wind, and you're just constantly improving and learning and getting better and. And you improve your skills to such to where then when you do get an opportunity in a bow-only zone or a bow-only tag, you're just that much better and more effective and more efficient and believe in yourself more. And so, like, I, I just I, – I made this commitment years ago, and, and I am so happy I did. It's just been the right move for me, and I think everybody has to progress in the right steps. Like, I – I think, you know, like a lot of my family, my my uncles, not that they're not good hunters, but, you know, if they had to go do it with a bow, you know, I don't know that they that they get that many harvests. And, and also beginner hunters, like, you just don't have the areas that'll produce that many encounters, that many chances where you have an opportunity to get it done with your bow. You may hunt the whole season and you might not even see a buck or see one buck and get a chance at them. You know, that's where you need to be rifle hunting. And two, I also limit myself to some of the places I can hunt. For me, low population areas, when I go into them where, you know, I might only find one buck for an entire hunt, those are really low odds to be successful for me. And so, you know, it limits where I can hunt like some of these places that have lower deer populations, but they're giant bucks. It, it's just, um, it's hardly feasible for me, you know, but I, I keep trying to take on the challenge just because I love to hunt and I'm just, I, I love... The experience. I I love the adventure and the the challenge of it. And so, like like that's me trying to explain why I'm bow hunting during rifle season. But I I I just enjoy it, and I I've learned so much over the years that you know I can create enough opportunity and get it done with my bow. So my goal this year was a mature buck with my bow, and I just I love hunting this rut. And I talked about it on the podcast a couple years ago, how I'm. um, really trying to excuse me how I'm really trying to improve uh, my late season game on mule deer because it's such an Achilles heel of big bucks and in, in the rot they sure make mistakes and there's opportunity out there that I can take advantage of and so that was part of my game that I really wanted to improve as I I you know I, I not that I have the early season totally figured out that's another one of my goals here for the off season is to improve in that as well man I got so many thoughts and ideas racing through my brain like I just um I just love having passion in my life I love having this thing this bow hunting that I can just test myself and challenge myself and be in good shape and I'm I'm happy when I'm when I'm thinking about it when I'm theorizing or I'm at my house or like I I ran this morning for um did like a 40 minute run with my with my dog this morning just thinking about it and I've been I've been hunting I um god I Idaho was so insane last weekend and and just finding new spots that's a lot of what this podcast will be about if I could ever get to it but let me just talk about this hunt a little bit so I see my mule deer season it started with taking my daughters which my daughters it's so important that I get to hunt with them and hunting with kids you really have to cater the experience to them and so you know I still push my girls hard and we want to hike a bunch and we want to get out and hunt hard but to I don't, you know, I don't want to wear them out. I, I don't want to make it to where it's not fun, you know, and especially in those cold temps. And, you know, I could take them backpacking for miles, which I do take them backpacking, but I cater those to them too, to where we're, you know, a mile or two into a lake, we camp and then we hike out. But I, I really try to cater these hunts to the girls. So Katie, it was her first season. I talked to you guys about that. She's 10. Um, you know, just getting these kids ready for the experience, too, is such a big part of it. Like just getting familiar with, with shooting positions, you know, definitely want to get them the lay down as the steadiest, get them comfortable with that. And I get them dry firing on my deer target. Uh, just get them comfortable with the bolt with the safety on safety off safety acquiring targets through the scope like just those little things you you don't think about and then also squeezing on the trigger letting that gun just aim right on them and squeeze on the trigger and so I just go through this with all the girls and then we do live fire drills and I make sure the gun's all sighted in they're shooting a little 7mm 08 uh, low kick shells because they're I built small humans. <laughs> they're they're just uh, I was I was so small when I was a kid and um got my my um I I don't mean uh I definitely don't want to rag on my dad because he is has been the best teacher and steward of the outdoors. He's uh, uh such a great role model. He's a great person. He's he's great to to model my life after and he's been such a great father and such you know a, a huge inspiration to me and and uh, motivation for me it always encourages me like he's just a great father but i think back in the day there there just wasn't uh, a lot of knowledge especially coming from washington so i i'm hunting the pacific northwest and we're hunting for black tails and roosevelt's and and um so we'd we'd rifle hunt you get four weekends a year and then you get extended buck which you kind of get to hunt during the rut for four days and my dad went hard. I, you know, I talked about it a little bit, my family in the podcast, but him and his two brothers and then my grandpa. And it was just this this family experience. We'd go up to our cabin up there. We had a cabin that my grandpa built with another partner and they, they just built it. It's all, you know, I remember it as this, this nice cabin, but it's all on cinder block foundation. And, um, you know, they've kept it up over the years, but it it's really inexpensively built and it sits up and borders national forest. Um in Washington there, and, and we'd show up every weekend, and the whole family would be there, and this other family that we hunted with the hills, they had brothers and kids, and so we'd all get together, and then we all go hunt from there, and we'd go up these logging roads, and then, you know, we'd dive off and make hunts, and my dad and his brothers, they went hard, they loved to hunt, loved to hunt blacktails, and rosies and their idea behind things you know it's a lot of um old growth forest and and then reprod which is like um you know logged off country that's grown back for 10 20 years in the rainforest so it's just super thick in there And the deer like to refuge in there um alder patches which the alders are deciduous trees they lose their leaves so you can kind of glass through them and so so we would hunt and my my dad's theory on things and my my brother that it would just like they're they're just tough tough logger like come from logging um you know the pacific northwest is a bunch of loggers that came up and not that my family was loggers they were in construction my my grandpa was a shop teacher and then uh partner with my dad but um it comes from a lot of loggers my great grandpa was a logger and um and and so they're just tough individuals and it rains all the time there and so you're constantly wet you'd wear like heli hansen rain gear but their theory on it was to be in the brush that you can't kill them unless you're hiking so you know and actually i think driving the roads would have been more productive we saw a lot more bucks driving the roads to try to get to our areas we were hunting than we did actually hunting but they were right in the fact that you get a better experience that way and you're you're in the brush and you're reading tracks and you're actually taking it to the game animals we're driving you know, you're, you're covering a lot of country and it's these, these, you know, it's the only openings or some of the only openings throughout, you know, this, this place that you're hunting because they clear the roadways all the way through and cut all the trees down. So you can actually see a hundred yards where sometimes when you're hunting in the brush, you're hunting 30 yards at a time. You just end up spooking a lot of animals. But um, anyways, those, those guys were built tough where we were always in the brush and um, we were always hunting hard, but, um, yeah, I guess my, my point is, is that everybody's at a different skill level and, and, uh, just to, to locate these deer, to have these good spots and, you know, my dad's a good bow hunter. He doesn't have very many harvests under his belt, but he he likes getting out and likes getting close. But I mean, his game is, is rifle hunting. It's where he can, you know, achieve his coal goals and kill a big heavy buck and, and uh, kill a nice bull. And he can go hard and, and hike and hunt hard. And if he gets an opportunity, he can seize it. And same thing with my kids, you know, my kids are really good bow shooters and they shoot, some tournaments and different things and you know they're great with a bow but they just can't pull that much poundage therefore their yardage is close like even 30s pushing it so 20 yards and in the spot and stock game it's just tough and in I don't have a lot of permission I can take them to so it's public ground you know where you're competing with with other hunters that are trying to harvest game I took Katie out on the youth only season which was nice she got two days before everybody else but um Taylor, we just got to go hunt with everybody else. The, the orange army, I call it. So, you know, for them, bow hunting isn't feasible. And there's a lot of guys that are still coming up that, that bow hunt hard and they learn a lot, but it's also a time to get your meat for the years when you can pick up the rifle, And I just, um, you know, I've been able to figure it out where I get my meat for the entire year, no matter like this year, I didn't kill an elk, but we've killed a bunch of deer and I've got my meat for the winter. And so I'm fine there. And so I just, I've just committed to a bow. I just, I love getting close. I I love the challenge of it. I love the chess match. I love everything about it. I always have. I'm just drawn to it. So for me to, to kill a big buck, I'd feel like I cheated, and I'd get up to that deer, and I'd feel like, you know, why didn't I shoot it with my bow, or why didn't I at least try with my bow, you know, and, and maybe that's, you know, I, I I just, for me, it means the world to me, and so that's what I do, and everybody's in different stages of their hunting career, and, you know, it's, it's like, I, I don't, I think it's a great achievement to kill something with a rifle. And during the pressure of rifle season, animals are tough to find. It can be tough to get inside a rifle range. Like when you get there, they're gone. Um, just for me, I feel like I've taken my my hunting to another level where it's just it's it's bow or nothing for me. So, anyways, I got got my kids. Um, so I talked about Katie's hunt and then Taylor, we had this adventure hunt coming up. So I've talked about that a little bit. And so, um, we're going out to one of my muley spots. And so, um, it's just a great time to spend time with her. She's 15 and to be able to, to take a weekend and, and, uh, have her come hunt with me and just the conversations we have traveling there and back. And I was so busy with work so we could only do a weekend and she's so busy school and sports and everything she's got going, but we, um, we were able to get away for a weekend. And so, you know, I'm not sure if we can get it done in a weekend and especially, you know, it's the, the beginning stages pre rut. And like I say, we've got the orange army out there to contend with, but we're going to go hard and go have some fun anyways. And so we go out to one of my spots and we start turning up some deer and, and, uh, Gosh, we turned up one really good buck and um, he was just he couldn't tell if he was on private or public. He was kinda on the line and so we got a little bit closer and found out he was on private and so we had to kind of leave him and hope that he crossed on to public. Really nice four point and went down to a different spot and glassed around, I was seeing a lot of groups of does. Um, not a lot of bucks or maybe some smaller bucks, but we're not finding the bigger mature ones. And so we just dive into country and we go make a hunt to to go on this ridge and grab a couple vantage points and look around. And we get down in there and, and uh, yeah, we spot a really nice four-point buck. It'd be your best buck to date, uh, really tall and heavy one. And so so there he is and you know you're just trying to share in the experience with her and um you know she she's got her own set of binos but she doesn't hardly pack them which so, you know I've given her my binos to look through it letting her look through the scope and I you know this buck's bedded down on kind of this open hillside and so we make a play after him and put ourselves um right into range we come up on this little hillside and it's it's this 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 stock and this game and it's really fun to to bring her in on it to keep getting looks at the buck and glassing him up there and he's bedded and saying okay I think we need to get to this ridge our wind's doing this and you know we're just making this stock and this play together and we get in we come over the hill and we get this bucket 115 yards and we kind of crawl in and then I get the bipod set up. She can't shoot a laying down rest cause we're in some deep sage. So I get the, the tripod set up. She comes up slow and gets on him and um, you know, I'm, I'm telling her what to do and the bucks bedded, but he's broadside bedded where you could shoot him right in his bed right there and, all right that buck has no idea we're there just take your time and squeeze on it and you know I think she's just got some of that excitement where those crosshairs wouldn't quite get steady and I could see her trigger finger reach up on the trigger and I'd plug my ears and get ready and see her squeezing and tension on it and then she'd let off the trigger and she's just swimming around in that scope and kept giving her a little advice you know like just it's all right if it moves around just let it swim around and just squeeze on it and it must have been five minutes. Those those kids have so much discipline. They listen to what you say. She really wants to make one shot count, which I'm going to talk about this later in the podcast too, just your mindset on shooting. You know, you have to try to make your best shot possible. When you're shooting at a deer, it isn't just getting your pin on them. It's like this, this whole mindset of, of, um, I need to make the best shot I absolutely can here. Like, like you get one shot at a at a three D target or whatever, just this one shot pressure, and instead of just trying to get that shot off and get that opportunity, like having this mindset of no, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an absolute bullseye shot here. Like I am gonna hit the middle, I'm gonna hit exactly where I'm aiming, which makes for an awesome experience for me. It, it's the best bow hunt in the world when I can place one perfect arrow, um, just like I practiced so many times, put it right in the spot and watch that deer go off and die or, you know, disappear, whatever the case. But just to make that perfect shot just makes for such a great experience. I love that feeling. And you just don't get those opportunities that often, but it, it's this whole mindset of just like, You know, I am, I am just in trying to hold your pin right where you want to hit and settle. But she did that and uh, she executed a shot. Now I've seen her shoot three deer with three shots already and she's made some high degree of difficulty and 115 yards should be a piece of cake for her, but she shoots and it must have been swimming around a little bit and it got that buck high and um, I don't know how it didn't break its back and collapse it right there it kind of shattered some of the backbone and in through there but must have not busted the spinal cord and that buck got out of there and this is their first time to like have a follow-up or whatever they've always just dropped or hit them perfect and um, so this is a learning lesson too you know and it's like well you know, now you got to get on him. And now that all this practice with the rifle we've done of acquiring targets as this bucks moving away from her. I said, just wait, he'll stop again. And he stops. And then she put a shot on him and finished him up. But it was a a heck of a second shot. He got out there quite a ways before he offered a good shot. And uh, she, she put it right on him, dumped him and she was emotional and, you know, she, she doesn't want anything to suffer. She's um, just, uh, you know, and we all don't, you know, but um, she really took it to heart and uh, emotional, but she shot that buck, her best buck to date, this really nice, tall four-year-old four-point, just a, a beautiful deer. I couldn't be more proud and uh, just the whole adventure of, of going out there. And we did, we just happened to find that buck. I mean, we we only had a couple days of hunting and made good on our opportunity and, able to kill that buck and um it's such a a big part of my hunting nowadays is getting out these new hunters getting out my kids getting out buddies family really helping like my dad and cousins out and and uh, you know just helping everybody i can so this is pretty cool that we get to share in this sharing the excitement and then bone it out we all know where our meat comes from we sit around the table at night and every time we cook a good steak like it's always like oh what what is this and it, oh it's taylor's deer Taylor's backstrap or whatever my cooking god dang it we're just taking that to another level with wild game we just love it so much and when cooked right it's just amazing you just can't overcook wild game it's you and it overcooks so fast because it doesn't have any fat in it but um, we've just been having some great table fare we're through all our 2017 meat into our 2018 meat And, uh, I got to get some burger ground up. So we've got some 2018 burger. Um, we're just got a couple packs left of the 17, but yeah, we're, um, we just love wild games so much. Tastes so good. Last night we had, uh, it was, uh, my, my oldest daughter's birthday last night and we had grandma over and we cooked, uh, Katie's back straps and she killed that spike whitetail or whatever. Oh my gosh. Did I nail that recipe? I, I do that. Um, and I, uh. I cook them whole. I used to cook them in steaks, and that can be good, too, cooking them quick um, in steaks or whatever, but the whole backstrap, and then um, cook it in the oven, cook it to, like, 120 degrees um, with a thermometer that I leave in it wrapped in tin foil with a bunch of seasonings on the outside, pull it out, pan sear it in butter, and then... Um, let it, let it rest. And I think like, I've heard, I've heard this recipe from a few different people for sure, but God, it is just so good. And then slice it off, let it rest for about 10 minutes, um, keeps cooking and then slice it off. It was so good last night. It's just, it's absolutely as good as meat can be. But uh, anyways, some good meat, uh, fun with Taylor. And then, so we were done Saturday, I think that was Saturday afternoon. So we had got down there Friday night, hunted Saturday morning, didn't turn up anything that hunt was saturday evening saturday afternoon um so we got that all packed out drinking my coffee here still we got that deer all packed out and um the same as the year before like taylor's done i brought my bow like um we're down here and might as well just keep hunting and I didn't know if we'd turn up or anything or get a chance, but Sunday morning, we thought we'd glass our way out, go grab a couple vantage points, and just kind of look around and mostly, you know, take our time and get home or whatever, but uh, we'll hunt Sunday morning, see what we see, and and um, so we start hunting Sunday morning, and I glass up this buck. I, I glassed up a couple bucks. It was pretty good hunting. Pretty, they're just coming out of pre rut. Um... And uh, glassed up a couple bucks, and then I glassed up one that's just a toad, just wide and heavy, and and uh, he's rutting some does. And told Taylor, I said, I gotta go. What do you want to do? You want to come with me, or you want to watch through the scope and and um, stay here? And and um, so we were, I, I glassed him up from um, like this spur off off the side. And so anyway, she um she wanted to stay there and watch. She she usually comes with me or whatever, but you know it's cold that morning and. And uh, so anyway, she's going to watch through the scope, which is dang near as as much excitement as going, really. And so I scramble down there and scramble up the other side. I start getting close, and he ruts the does across this hillside. Man, I'm just getting to play the game. And I've waited an entire year to play this game with these rutting bucks. It's just so thrilling. And this thing is just so wide and so heavy. Like five, six-year-old deer, he'd be my best late-season buck. I start playing the game with him and pretty soon he's rutting three does and he kind of slows down. I'm able to circle around him and then come up over the top of him off this kind of this rock cliff and I get above him and I just got a perfect win. And so I let my pack off and I'm hunting in a, I've got two sweatshirts on and a vest. This is important because I've got a coat in my bag, two coats. I've got my puffball coat, and then I've got a heavier, um, like a a Gore-Tex shell coat. I think about putting one of them on, but I really shoot better with less layers. And so I thought, well, I'll just creep to the edge. I could see his horns right there. I'll just creep a little bit closer, and I'll leave my pack here, and I creep a little bit closer and a little bit closer, and he's bedded right there, and I can see his horns in his head, and then I can see another doe. And, I mean, I get right inside in bow range, like... I'm, I'm like 45 yards from him, and I'm about as close as I can get. I say, okay, this is close enough, man. I'm going to put one on this buck. I keep looking at him, just heavy horns, and... I have got to wait there for quite a while and the wind's just screaming and it's cold and pretty soon I'm shivering and I'm I'm freezing like I should have put my jacket on. I thought about crawling back to my pack and putting my jacket on, but I'm in bow range of the, the, the biggest late season buck that, I, that I've ever killed and I'm right there. All I need him to do is stand and I'm going to put a shot on him and this is going to be a done deal. So I try to just keep myself warm. I kept trying to imagine myself on like the beaches of Hawaii or imagine myself like in my sauna just so hot. Like I'm just so hot is what I'm trying to think in my mind is I'm shivering, freezing cold with this wind blowing on me. And um, this buck's rutting hard. God, just like I say, deep forked. I, I know I keep saying wide, but he's 28, 30, you know, he's just a great buck. And um, finally he stands and I've got his exact range. I've been clicking his head and his horns and and getting different ranges on the trees around him, making sure I got a good range. So I know his exact range. I'm dialed for it the whole deal. He stands up, and he's he's directly facing away from me. I can just see his butt. And then he starts to turn, and then he starts to rub on this tree, and I draw back, and I have him. Like, he's slightly quartering towards, and, you know, in hindsight, I I saw my sliver of opportunity. I should have just fired an arrow. I was so close, such an exact yardage, but I just— patience kills the buck I just thought man he's going to give me a broadside or a quartering away and and I'm just it I'm going to have a bigger margin for error I'm going to be able to zip that arrow right through there just be patient he'll offer another shot so he's rubbing on the tree and then he beds down again and I now I've been sitting on this buck for probably an hour altogether from waiting to stand the first time and then bedded back down and then all of a sudden I can see these other deer coming and see this other two point And uh, this buck sees this other two point and all of a sudden he stands up and bristles up, pins his ears back and just goes right for this buck and I'm scrambling. I'm trying to get a range on him and then I have to move out to the point a little bit more so I can see more and I got another range on him and drew back and had to let down so now I've drawn twice on him. And uh, he just goes down to try to fight this two-point, just keeps walking away from me. Well, me trying to scramble over to him, that doe I was talking about that he was bedded with, kind of picked up some movement. Now she's on to me. That's like, oh, man, okay, so I just got to hold still here. Just wait. He'll come back up here to check this doe. And so I just wait. And now I'm waiting another 15 minutes, and I don't see this buck. And I just, that doe staring at me. She finally forgets about me or doesn't spook off. She's just standing there and kind of goes to feeding around. So now I'm just stuck there. I'm still freezing. And uh, all of a sudden, this two-point comes right back up where the big buck was from. They kind of disappeared from sight. And he comes back up to check the does. I'm like, man, where is this big buck? He'll be coming, you know, be chasing this two-point. All of a sudden, they hear this grunting. And up to my left-hand side, here he comes. And he's chasing two does down the ridge. And um, now I'm pretty well exposed. I was above them on this rock cliff. Now we're at the same elevation or they're almost above me. I still got a good wind, but I'm totally like a humanoid just kneeling there. Like I don't look natural anymore. I'm not hidden. You know, I'm not camoed in. There's not a bush to hide behind. I'm trying to hide like on a golf course of brown grass. Like I just, I am humanoid there. And so those deer kind of stare at me and I wait and I'm patient. I've got my range finder up. I'm getting ranges. They're they're not too far out there, like 50, 52, 50, something like that. And um, the buck's tailing these two does. And so the two does make their way in the timber, and I've got a range on this buck. And I thought, it's now or never. I'm going to try to draw. And I try to draw, and he sees my movement drawing, and I, I barely get my pins, and, and he busts. And, uh, you know, the lesson of it, like you just you know, you're gonna fail bow hunting, you're gonna make mistakes, but I, I need to find that next level of patience, just that I should have just let him get in the timber, chase those does in the timber, and just wait and kept playing the game. Instead, I I like made, you guys heard me say it, now or never. Like, it didn't have to be now or never. Those deer didn't know I was there. I created that now or never, and I tried to draw, and a lot of times you can draw slow and get away with it. He was broadside. I mean, if I would have killed the buck, I would have said, "Ah, perfect, pro." You know, I <laughs> did. I did everything right. I'm just the best uh, late season mule deer mule deer hunter there is. You know, first stock of the year, and I hammered this 30 inch wide. You know, what 190 inch deer, whatever he was. You know, um, but instead, um, I spooked him. He left the doze. He spooked out of there. He just caught my movement, and drawn, and I just I created that now or never, and tried to make it happen now you know, you also have to seize the opportunity. Like I had that buck broadside down below me at 40 yards just, you know, 15 minutes ago, and I had a slightly quartering towards, I know my arrow would have zipped through him and killed that buck. I was like waiting for more of an opportunity. Now, you know, it's, you know, I I didn't shoot and wound the buck, and I I didn't make a bad choice, and so I can't say it's the wrong choice, but you're just always learning these encounters. You're just always gathering more information. You're trying to get better, and it's like, um... It's so fresh when it's happening to you, but I I just love, like, finding these quality spots where you can have opportunities at bucks like that, where you're making plays and making stocks and learning, you know? And so I make that stock on that buck, and, um, god dang it, it was was such a thrilling close encounter, but I finally busted him out, and I think I kept trying to play the game a little bit. Oh, I did! Up above, he joined back up with some does. Everything kind of spooked out of there after I tried to draw on that buck. Um everything blew up. I don't know if it was after the buck ran over the hill. I think I tried to catch him over the hill. And then that movement spooked the does below me. Everything's spooking out of there. I'm blowing up the mountainside now at this point. And, uh, but they get up above me and those does are just hanging out. I'm able to tuck back behind the ridge and make tracks up this ridge. And these deer start coming right by. They're coming right to left and they're going to cross right in front of me. And this ridge has allowed me to get close. And so I've already drawn three times in this buck. I think I drew a fourth time up on the hill. So they crossed. They they were a little bit farther than I wanted, but I had that buck at 60 yards. He just never stopped moving. Like during the rut, they just when they're on their feet, they never stop moving and even trying to shoot that buck up chasing those two does into the timber, he was moving, range moving, range trying to get draw, get caught and uh it blows up. But um yeah, I got to play the game with him a little bit more up there and And then he finally had had enough of it and uh, they crossed that hillside and they kept going and they went to a spot where I can't hunt them or at least headed that direction. But what a thrilling encounter. Taylor watched the thing through the spotting scope and get back and able to talk with her. And um, it's just so fun and um, such a great buck and such a great encounter. Just like, man, that is why I bow hunt. I love it. And, uh, I got more bow hunting to come, you know, I know I'm trying to finish this house and I'm, I'm stressed from that, but I do have my weekends, my weekends are my time. And so, um, I'm going to head back out the next weekend. I've got my uncle and my cousin showing up and they show up. I think they show up Sunday, but it was so important for me to hunt with my daughter. And then, um, I just, I couldn't be gone from work. I just, I couldn't make it happen. I've already taken too much time. I just couldn't make it happen, but I can send my dad with them. And so uh, my dad goes with my uncle and my cousin and um, they've got, I found these really good spots that they can hunt vantage points how to approach them how to hunt them and so they're set up good and they got my dad down there and so you know they're going to hunt hard and have fun and I'm going to go join them I'm going to get out of here as soon as I can to go meet them and then I can hunt with them like they're going to stay through the weekend so I figure like Wednesday after work Thursday after work something like that I can head over and go meet them and so I've got a few things that I got to get done and so I just work some long hours while I'm here I'm just grinding trying to get some stuff done so i can get back over there and feeling a little bad that i'm not with my uncle and my cousin helping them but like i say they're in good hands and they're all having fun and anyways my cousin ends up shooting a buck um shot a nice four point and then my dad shot a shot a buck um you know, I think he kind of talked himself into it. I think it was kind of a younger deer, but a decent one. And he was happy, had some extras on it or whatever. And so, um, they kill two bucks by the time I can get back over there Thursday, but they're going to hang out and hunt a little bit. And so, uh, I'm able to hang out with them a little bit and hunt. And I get back down there and I think I I don't get down there until Thursday night. and Of course, there's just snowstorms and icy roads. It's just like, oh, typical. Oh, I got to drive across the state and and this stuff. But it's just like, whatever it takes, I'll just slow down my speed, to keep it safe. I'm going to get there. But I am so jacked to get back after that encounter I just had with that giant four-point. And once you start to see animals in an area, like I talk about finding these epic spots and these... Epic spots, they're all over the nation. They're in every state. They're in dang near every unit. There's just condensed population of animals. And there's a lot of places where animals aren't. And so, you know, you're making a a lot of hikes into places, hikes into vantage points. You're not seeing bucks. You're not seeing deer. But all of a sudden, like, that effort pays off. And you come into a canyon or a drainage or a a spot that that just holds the animals. And then you're getting all this opportunity. And, man, that's the key for—that's the— well, my computer's got some pop-ups. It's this uh, that Lenovo system or what? I, it's um the the stupid. Uh, oh, what am I trying to say? The the spyware, not spyware, just the the scanners that are always on your computer that are um, trying to keep you blocked from getting a virus. I can't. I'm, my mind's in hunting mode, but. Uh, so, anyways, I'm so jacked to get back there and and uh, hunt. And so I get back over there, like I say, my dad had killed a buck and uh, my cousin had killed a buck, and uh, but we keep hunting. And and now, you know, I pretty much got the run of these handful of spots that I've got, and and uh, it it gets super cold, like below zero. Wind blowing just gets gnarly, and these deer just go uh, that the rut just kicks off, like it goes off and goes insane. And I'm there for it. And the first day I get to hunt, it it is just. It's the most amazing day of late season hunting. One of the most amazing days of hunting I've ever had. It's just crazy. So it's zero degrees. I got everything on my own. Those puffball pants, they are worth their weight in gold. Like they're a, a goose down, puff down pants. And I've got layers up top. I got so many clothes on and uh, gloves. Like you can't even hunt without heavy gloves on just because it's, it's below zero and the wind's blowing. Like the wind chill is probably 30 below it's crazy, but the deer are, are just going nuts all day long, the deer are on their feet all day long feeding, and then the bucks in the rut just kick off, and I am in prime time spot, and, and it, is, it is the craziest day of hunting I've ever had, so it starts, I mean, the first spot starts getting light, and first spot there is, I spot two bucks, and I look at him and I'm trying to figure out if the one's a shooter and finally it's like it's a four or five year old deer with big backs and smaller fronts but he's big and heavy and heavy makes the deer for me I just want a heavy mature deer I don't care what he scores I just want a heavy mature older deer and especially you know where I'm hunting in Montana it's not like you're looking over a bunch of 190 200 inch deer even 180 are the exception. We see him and we go after him. So I talked about that buck earlier, that big, heavy, wide one I chased. You know, that's the exception for sure. There's a lot of these bucks. They'll be six, seven years old and they're, they'll be 160 inch deer. And I'm fine with that. As long as they're heavy and old, man, I'm pumped to go bow hunt them. And so I finally, I'm staring at this buck and I'm trying to decide whether or not he's a shooter. He's the first buck I've seen. It's like, man, I'm here to bow hunt. That's a really good, that's a really good mature buck. Like I'm going to go down and try to shoot him. So I go down, and god dang, it is just cold as all get out, and uh, I crawl right into range through the sagebrush, and pretty soon, I'm sitting in range, and I've got some of these does at 50 and 60, in that box, he's just off, like, just at about 70 or so, and he's just rutting does like crazy, I mean, rutting his brains out out there, and, um, so I sit there and I'm just patient. I'm not trying to shoot him at that range. Like I can make that shot. I'm just I'm just waiting. I just want to get one of those slam dunks. He's gonna come chase a doe by fifty when they're rutting. They're moving around so much, which is which is the good and the bad. Um, you know, the the good is is that eventually he's gonna move into range and come on. I'll tell you this encounter I had last week and was crazy. I had this buck that I wanted to shoot at five yards, but uh, we'll get into that more. But this this buck, anyways. He's running around. I'm just waiting for my opportunity, but it is so freaking cold, and now I'm not moving. Now I'm still. It's 30 below at the windchill, and I'm just sitting there kneeling in the snow, snow blowing in my face with these deer and this buck right in front of me, just this intense encounter. Finally, I'm so cold. I got to bend down. I got to stick another hood on. I got to stick my puffball hood on. My ears are getting cold. Like I just have to if I'm going to sit this out. And so I bend down and I stick my hood on and I come back up and slowly. And this doe to the left must have heard me putting my dang hood on and she caught me. And so now all of a sudden she's staring at me. We have a standoff for 10 minutes. That doe ends up spooking. The other deer kind of see her spooking. They get nervous. The buck tries to go out of there. Um, I get a shot at that buck. Um, I say he was he was max at what I wanted to shoot, like like I think high sixty somewhere in there, or whatever. But you know, a little far for the conditions with the wind and then the cold weather. And I mean, if I could have that arrow back, I I would like those. I either want to shoot and I want to kill him and make a perfect shot, or I don't want to shoot. You know, and and um, but I I got a shot at him. I thought I could make it, and uh, I I think. I, I mean, I I think. Maybe it's all those dang clothes I had on. Um, And I've got like an arm strap that keeps me from slapping my arm. But I don't, I need my clearance for shooting my bow. Um, I don't slap my arm with my bow, but I'm close. So any clothes on there, it can slap that and, and bring my arrow low. I think I actually missed this buck in front of his chest. I don't know if it wind drifted or my follow through or whatever the case. And again, when you're shooting at animals these opportunities they're so fleeting and so few and far between when you get your shot and after that last week in a drawn on that buck four times I was so hungry to shoot that you know I settled in I executed a decent shot but you really got to take this as like I need to make a great shot here he's at my max ranges I'll shoot at like I you know I'm Every shot I make now there's a couple like you need to have this mantra and this mantra it just keeps reminding you of the most important things when you're shooting and I've had different ones throughout different hunts that have really served me well and really helped me when shooting at animals and I've kind of gotten away from it and I I practice hard this season. But there's there's just this little thing where if I can tell myself put the pin where you want to hit, so I'm not so the pin isn't allergic to the animal like the it's a form of target panic, and I I don't get it shooting at targets or 3D, but sometimes I'll find myself when I finally get a shot at an animal that all of a sudden my pin isn't right where I want it, and so I tell myself put the pin where you want to hit. Put the pin on the animal and then say, let it aim. And if I can just let that thing kind of wander around and settle in a little bit and just take a couple seconds on my shot execution, I make a perfect shot. But if I don't think about that or don't say that mantra, like I can get in the fog of adrenaline where now, you know, I'm drawn back and my pin finds body and, you know, all of a sudden I'm executing my shot and I'm just not trying to execute the absolute best shot I can. Like I'm almost trying to get the shot off and, and I missed, um, nothing I can say it. Like I, I've had a handful of misses this year and I've had a handful of great shots too. It's just, it, it's, it's the nature of the beast. You just always want to get better. I always want to be perfect execution on every animal I hit and I will have a perfect season. And I, you know, i am I've been thinking about it a bunch in the off season, just how I can, how I can be better. You know, I just, um, I don't rest on my laurels and I, 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 there's just I can take my shooting to another level, and I need to continue to try to improve on it, and just have that be more of what I lean on in these hunts. It always comes down to making a shot, and I, you know, I had a shot at a at a big bull this year. I had a shot at a, you know, which was the rest deal, which I talked about. I had a shot at a, a monster 200 plus inch muley that I shot in front of his chest, wind drift, and now I've missed a late season muley. You know, so it's like, um, it it's just one of those things that. It, I don't know if I'll ever have archery mastered. Like, I'm always continuing to improve, continuing to get better, but, I mean, I'm going to dedicate myself. I'm going to shoot absolutely every single day of this year. I'm going to shoot, even at night when I get home and it's dark, I'm going to shoot in my garage. I'm going to keep executing arrows. I'm going to keep going through this mantra. I am going to have a perfect season. I am going to perfect this... The, the, the bow shooting, and it seems like it's always like these shots that come that are at your, your max distance of what you'll shoot, or your max abilities, like those 20-yard slam dunks, like you get them, you know, it happens, but man oh man it's just um archery is just a tough game like I say uh failure is a prerequisite you are gonna fail it's just how you pick yourself up and so I missed that buck I wasn't too upset about it because I knew it was good hunting in fact I had another buck there was a shooter that was a four or five year old on the next ridge and I played on him a little bit and and he ended up getting off the the public or whatever and onto the private where I couldn't make any play so it's still this epic good day of hunting and so I get back and my dad's been watching it through the scope and my uncle's there and and uh, so they've been watching and and uh said, Yeah, I missed or whatever and so we decide to keep hunting. So, um we cruise to a different spot, hike out to the vantage point, instantly do another good buck. And this one's even better than the last two. This one, like he's um Such deep fork back, such deep fork front, probably only 22 wide, 24 wide, but a beast of a mule deer, older, heavy, just like the one I'm looking for, I mean, um, you know, definitely solid 170s, probably pushing 180 inches or whatever. And so I get to play on this buck. So now all of a sudden I'm back in the game and I'm circling around, I'm getting the wind right. They're in front of me. It's in pretty wide open country, but I like hunting open country, but I'm, I'm kind of stuck with the wind and everything I got going in this situation. It, it's just, it's, it doesn't seem like a high percentage, but it's, it's like, I got to play if I come around the saddle and I come around this other way. And so a cat and mouse for an hour and it's still wind blowing cold as all get out all the clothes I got on you, you just you're making plays I'm in my element like my head's almost buzzing it's so exciting and so thrilling to be making these plays on the bucks that I dream about the bucks I want to kill and with my bow and arrow and I'm I'm just the only one around just my dad and my uncle watching me through the scope and just being able to make plays like um, I am in heaven on earth like I I will have 10 trips where I can't find the animal I want to have one trip like this where you are just in them. Like you're just in the action. You're just, uh, you're, you're learning, you're making plays like, uh, like this is what you live for as a public land bow hunter is getting the opportunity at, at these types of critters. You'll do anything. You'll hike anywhere. You'll go anywhere to try to create this situation. And now here I am, I'm in it. It's the, the peak of the rut and, uh, I'm in the best spot on planet earth and I've got these good bucks. And so I play on this buck and so I'll talk about my mistakes a little bit because just like I say they're gonna they're gonna beat you I ended up stalking I think five or six stocks that day every buck I stalked I got into bow range now that's a success with you know inside itself so I make a play around this buck back through the saddle really nice buck and um I start making a play and all of a sudden I can see his horns in front of me and he's out there he's like maybe like 70 yards or so but there's sagebrush in between me and him and I can just see his horns and so I'm not looking to shoot I'm looking to get close and kill this thing and so I try to creep up to the that next sagebrush and definitely inside bow range. And I I think some deer had got below me down there and in my bad wind, um, you know, they were all on the hillside and then they had got down below and there was a two point down there and maybe a couple does down there. And I think they ended up catching my wind. They ended up blowing up the situation and, and off they go. And I was like, man, it was it was a really tough stock that I was, I wasn't trying to force it, but I, I was definitely like, um, I I definitely knew there was a a chance that I could get busted. I was going all in where, you know, maybe you sit on that buck and you, you wait for him to make a mistake and wait for him to make a play. But when it's 20 below with the wind blowing, you can't sit still for that long. Like I either got to back out, back, back to the vantage point and watch or try to make something happen. And so, You know maybe I pushed it a little far like I think in hindsight if I could do it again that probably would be my best bet is to sit watch that buck and just wait just figure you know I've got a really good one located let's make the right moves here and kill this buck but he ends up crossing he never did see me or the group of does he didn't there was just like a two point a couple does down below me and so they just kind of moved off to the next draw and and started being deer again. So all of a sudden, I've got this buck down below, and so I circle back around. I've got the wind perfect, and now they're in a really good spot. And I circle around. I lose sight of them for a little bit, and then I start creeping in, and then all of a sudden, I can see a doe, and I can see another doe and a two-point. And these things I, I get within bow range and they cycle right past me forty yards and I keep waiting for the big buck and I wait and I wait and just nothing. There's he's not there. And so okay, well I gotta creep into this this basin that's all open sagebrush, but I can't see over the rim of the, the hill or whatever. And so I figure, well, I'll I'll just sneak up and I'll see if I can find him there. And I sneak up and I look over that whole drainage, I glass it heck he's not in there you know he's gone he must have gone over that ridge when I lost sight of him or whatever and so I figure well I'll get to that next ridge and glass he's probably over that next ridge hanging out with the doe or whatever and I'll relocate him and try to find him and I I take about three steps through that sage and he pops up about 40 yards away from me had been bedded with a doe totally concealed in there And, and uh that one hurt it was like man oh man the buck I wanted I'm right in bow range perfect situation and here I messed up I just I thought he wasn't there you always got to play like that buck is still where you left him but you know there comes a time where you got to go well maybe he went over the next hill and I got to go over the next hill and look I mean what could have I done there I I could have been more disciplined more diligent really looked believing he was in that sagebrush that he didn't get out of there and uh, but I ended up blowing him up at like 40 yards or whatever Oh, just a killer and so he went over the next hill and so I, I took chase over the next hill and a lot of times these mule deer they don't relocate country like an elk will a lot of times they'll go over a couple bumps and they'll go back to being deer go back to rutting and so just like he did the first time you know and so I thought well I'll get over this next hill and, and see what I can see and get over the next hill and I start glass and I can't find him but I spot another mature buck up there and a couple other bucks like it's just going off and it's like well okay I go back and I check back in with my dad. I say, okay, I've got another one, you know, way up this canyon up here. And let's um, let's take a look at him. So we look at him and he's a, a big two by three. But he looks to be, he's got this giant frame on him. He's just a giant buck. And it's like, you know, if that thing's mature, I'll shoot that thing all day long. Like I don't, I don't need him to score big. I just want a big mature one. And I know it's only a two by three, but look at him, you know, he's just wide and tall. And so... I start making a play after this buck way up the canyon, a couple more miles. I ended up doing close to 20 miles that day um, with the 20 below wind chill and the whole, I was just going nuts. Um, so I started going after that buck. Made a play around him and I got in, looped around him. God, that play's just going perfect. And then I've got him on a little rise and I start slipping in and I get a look at this buck and he's got a big frame on him, but he's... if he's kind of got spindly horns like he's not the older big mature buck I thought he was like he's maybe a three or a four year old but he's not like heavy dark gnarly horns like he's just he's got like spindly young horns and even though he's a two by three and he's not great genetics it's still like I, I just don't I don't want to shoot a younger buck that's what not what I set out for it so I had him 50 yards I had a, a shot at him and I passed it and and, uh, I just kept trying to get closer just cause I was there, but I wasn't going to shoot him. I passed up the shot I had at him and, and, uh, just thought I'd get closer and pretty soon I can't see him and I can't see kind of the does. And so I figured, well, I'll kind of stand up and get a look, see if I can see his horns and, you know, I'm still kind of playing the game, but just knowing that I don't want to shoot that buck, and so I stand up and I'm trying to look for him. And all of a sudden, this other buck stands up to my left, this three point or whatever, and catches me totally standing. You know, and it's it's like another learning lesson. Even though I wasn't going to shoot the buck, and I had time inside range and a couple different shots I could have taken at him, in the end, I got busted in bow range. And why would I get busted? Because I I stood up. You know, now I'm not this kneeling presence in the sage where a deer can look at me and then you know think that I'm a bush but now I'm standing straight up and and I'm within 40 yards of these things you know and so that other buck catches me he spooks off they all spook off but um, and I'm I'm proud of myself I didn't shoot a younger buck which a lot of years out there it can get so challenging and tough and now I've had you know I've had three other stocks on great bucks that I wanted to shoot and so you know you want it to happen and come together you got this epic day of hunting but it just wasn't the right buck and so uh, I'm proud of myself, and I walk back to the vantage point, tell the guys what had happened, or they had watched the, the deal go down, and so we're off, we're hunting again, and looking around, we go out to um, this other drainage that I know of, and get out there, and she just start looking around, and, oh, there's another three-point, nah, not gonna shoot him, and then look across, and now it's, here I've got another heavy buck, and, and this buck is heavy, he's got mass, like, he's probably, he's got good forks front and back, but not giant forks front and back, and he's about, I don't know, 24, 26 wide, but a gorgeous, big, heavy mule deer, I love to kill this mule deer, he's a great one, probably, um, did I say 165, like, somewhere right in there, he might go 170, he's got good mass on him, but, um, so, I, you know, here I go. I'm off again. I can't even get a sandwich in me. I can't even hardly get a drink of anything. I haven't eaten anything. I am just losing my mind chasing running mule deer all over the place in this cold temps. It, it's just amazing hunting. And so I roll after this buck and um, I get over there and I start making a play on this buck. I start closing in. And he's rutting some does. And um, I see another hunter and he's in an orange and he's got a rifle. And uh, he's coming down the canyon at me. Now, I've, I've definitely got first play on this buck. But uh, like I say, there's a safety issue, too. Like, I can't go trying to slip into this buck of bow range and have this guy start shooting from five, 600 yards. You know, I just can't put myself in that kind of danger. I'm wearing orange, you know, so he can see me. Um, and and I, I have the same right to hunt the same country that he does, but I just can't put myself in a bad situation. And so he just keeps coming at me. He can see me on the side hill and, you know, everybody's got their, their own, Han or their own play they make and their own you know standards or, or ethics and you know if I see somebody in front of me if he's on a buck I'm gonna let him be and let him make his play but this guy didn't have the same theories on it he's gonna come right down at me and so I make myself seen and I know these deer are gonna see him walking down this basin these deer they have such good eyesight and uh so anyways he um guy keeps coming and so finally it's like well i i got nothing i can do you know i'm 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 in between this guy and this buck you know i'm a couple hundred yards out but i'm just gonna have to circle around i'll play these deer deers exit and let this guy come down and sure enough guy comes down he spooks him i went all the way around and got on these deers exit point and sure enough here comes these these deer at me and now these deer are out of his range i'm in a safe place i can see the guy across the canyon and um, they're coming up at me and feeding up at me until so here. I got to move on this nice heavy deer, and man, I got right inside. I was so close. I had this um this mud mound or this dirt mound, and uh, I peek around the corner of it, and all of a sudden I can see this buck's horns, and he's just feeding there, it doesn't know I'm there. Um, he's like thirty five yards, <laughs> like he is so close. So I kind of draw my bow and then i lean out and he catches me leaning out from the dirt mound and i'm trying to make sure my pin clears the dirt mound you know my 20 clears the dirt mound my 30s on the deer and all of a sudden he spooks off and i don't get a shot god i'm just bummed like it was a a really cool encounter hindsight what could have i done different on that one is maybe like i could have waited for his head to bend down feeding a little bit more before i slid out um you just you cannot get away with much when you're that close to those mule deer you just um you get caught doing everything you know and so uh, i mean it's part of the challenge i mean now my dad and my uncle have watched me fail four times which each four times would have been a done deal with a rifle for anybody you know i'm inside 100 yards on all four but um or five stocks now that's what it's been and uh but he ends up spooking off i don't get a shot He bails over the hill It's just like, man, it takes so much skill to be proficient with a bow and arrow and make the right moves. And, and it, it's like, even though, you know, all these lessons, like every time you start hunting again, it's like a refresher course in these lessons. It's like, oh yeah, that's again, that's how I messed up or that's what I could have done different or, um, but I, I just love my, my brain's just an overdrive of trying to process all this and I'm just enjoying it. Like I, I am so thrilled at this. I'm having the best day of hunting I've ever had. I'm chasing bucks. I'm getting close. I'm drawing my bow. I'm taking shots. I just like, this is a dream world for me. I am, I'm having the time of my life. And, uh, so I get back to those guys, long hike back to those guys, just put in a bunch of miles and. And, um, so anyways, we figure, well, we'll, um, we'll hunt our way out and we'll grab a few of these vantage points on the way out and see if there's any deer around. him. so we get, you know, we see some smaller bucks, don't see any uh, shooters. It's starting to get late in the afternoon, late in the evening. And pretty soon I glass up this buck and I could see right away. He was a good heavy one. Like he had mass, like he isn't that wide or anything isn't even that tall. He's got deep forks or whatever, nice forks, but he's just heavy and dark horn. Like, a, yep, that's a mature deer. That's what I said. Five, six, seven-year-old deer. I'm going for it. So I make a last light approach on him and get up and get on this mound, and then I've got him right in front of me. He's just rutting does. And again, I'm playing this game and trying to get a range. He's continually pushing this doe. So... I get a range, I I draw back, and then he starts moving again with the doe. He's at the same range, now he's at a different range. Okay, I gotta let down, get a range, start to draw my bow, oh, he's moving again. Okay, get a range, like just constantly, just zigzagging in, running this doe, and he won't stop long enough where I can get a shot. Finally stops, put a shot on him, and God, I think I hit him, well, I know I hit him, um, low in the brisket. I can tell he's hurt bad, he rolls into the timber, but he's still standing there. And, uh, so it's getting late, and it's getting dark, and I'm watching him through the timber, and, and finally he beds down, and I figure, well, you know, he's he's bedded. That's a good thing, and and it's getting dark, and I figure, well, I'm just, I'm going to have to leave him. Like, there's nothing I can do, and so um, come back in the morning. is a long night I just, like, then you're starting to think, you know, I have these thoughts of, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm bow hunting during rifle season, and then to to go out and hit something and think that maybe you wounded it or you're not going to get it. Like I've got faith. He looked like he was pretty hurt. My dad's got confidence. He watched him, said, "No, nah, buck's hurt pretty bad." And um, but you just have these thoughts of like, God, what, what kind of jerk am I if I'm out here like shooting arrows at things? When now stuff can get wounded with a rifle or wounded with a bow, but I'm just struggling with this this internal. This these internal thoughts that I that I'm not hunting ethically like hunting with a bow during rifle season. But I believe in a bow, and you hit them right, and they die. And and I put a good shot on this buck. It just hit him a little low in the brisket. He was sick. Um, I did come back the next morning. He hadn't gone far, but um, I did have to put another arrow in him. Um, so that's the only thing that tainted the experiences a little bit is that he had to suffer throughout the night and I had to go back the next morning and put another arrow in him. Um, but it just doesn't always happen perfect either with the bow or with the rifle executing those shots. And I just need to be better about like really trying to make the absolute best shot I can. And I, I did, I made a good shot on him, Good left to right. Just hit him low in the brisket in there. And you know, I mean, it's, and bow hunting's a hold on, I got my dog whining here. Hey, hey bud, why don't you go outside? Be All right. Sorry about that. I didn't know if you guys were picking that up on Mike um, he was dreaming down there, whining a little bit, um, but he psyched. I took him out on a good run today, but um, that's the only thing that kind of tainted my experience, but I just, um, need to improve and need to get better you know that's the key to it and you know it's a game of inches like another inch higher and the buck's dead on his feet and tips over right in front of me and I'm the hero you know it's and I'm still the hero I still harvested a nice buck I harvested with my bow during a rifle season like the achievement is off the hook and he's a really nice heavy one like one of my better late season bucks heavy older not that wide or anything but just heavy dark horn older I'm just pumped with him he just isn't like the, he isn't one of those spindly young ones that I, that I tried to make be bigger than he was. You know, he's a good, heavy buck. So I'm pumped. Cloud nine, uh, buck down weekend trip, uh, weekend warrior. Um, I'm just stoked. So pack him out with my dad, and my uncle, and just being with my family out there is so fun. And then to be able to have those experiences, um, so cool. And so, uh, then I roll back and, um, a buddy Dan calls and says, yeah, we got to go to uh, to Idaho. Now I picked up an Idaho tag and we'd been wanting to hunt this late season or I'd been wanting to hunt it. Um, I, I came up with this hunt a couple years ago and and uh, this unit that I wanted to hunt and the spot I wanted to hunt. And then um, Dan and I hunted Idaho last year. I killed a buck. And then so I didn't have a buck tag for the late season. And um, Dan ended up learning like um, learning that unit that I had wanted to learn. And this is where it's so cool to have a hunting partner like my buddy Dan. That's uh, such a great hunter, such a knowledgeable hunter, and he's so driven and passionate. Like we're just—he um, is a really good friend and a really good hunting partner. So he finds this good spot, and so he's pumped to get to Idaho. And it's like, "Well, I got to get a bunch of work done, but man, I can probably slip away for the week for the weekend." And he says, "Well, it opens Friday. I'll probably go down and set up tent. I'm going to hunt for a day or use it as a scouting day, and then when you get down there, we'll have a couple good days of hunting." and And he knows I'm just trapped to the weekend, but my buddy Dan just, um, what I mean by him being such a good friend and such a good hunting partner is he's just out learning stuff on his own and just anything he finds is just group information. Like he shares these hunting spots with me that are just epically good. And same thing with me. I share the hunting spots I have with him and um, it just goes back and forth. But when you got another hunting buddy that's as driven as you are and and, and as good at finding spots as you are. (laughs) Like you're, you're just, you're learning twice as much. You're just putting yourself in good spots. And you know, these units, there's a lot of places that deer aren't like even that spot in Montana. Like you can go, you can go hike a bunch. And I've been hunting that place for probably 12, 15 years. I've been bringing my family over there ever since I found it. And and then I just keep learning. I keep exploring. I strike out a lot, but then I also find good areas. You know, I log those good areas and then What really helps is when I find deer in an area is to go back home and study maps and look for that area, you know, where does it... um where does it do that again and kind of where can you find that feature that side of that hill or that canyon that doesn't have roads doesn't have trail where can you recreate that scenario and once I see deer start finding deer I can start recreating it and I've just done it so much that I can just build these hunting spots and and then the next time I go out there I got another couple spots to check out now one of them might be no good but then one of them will be that epic good spot where I mean that is crazy during general rifle season I got six stocks on one day of four to five year old deer or older like just I mean it was insane and um so Dan took me to this Idaho spot and uh went down there and he's already pretty dialed in and as I'm he's down there Friday hunting and as I'm driving down I'm getting text and it's like uh man I'm on this buck and I'm on that buck and I'm seeing this and and uh he's just in this canyon where there's a hundred does or so and um these bucks are rutting so hard in there and uh Dan ends up arrowing just a great buck um He's bigger than the buck I killed in Montana, and the buck I killed in Montana, I'm stoked with, but yeah, it's like 170 plus inch deer, uh, really heavy horns, not that wide, but uh, heavy and tall. It's a big three by four, but just, I mean, the base is on that thing. I could stare at that deer all day long. He is just a good one, just old and heavy and um, good deep forks, like just a bomber buck, and he just had, he had one of those days that I had in eastern Montana, like um, well, I'm, I'm not supposed to say locations, but, uh, yeah, that's a, a lot of where I deer hunt, like in Montana. Um, out east has some great populations. The center part of the state has some great populations. Just all these spots I've been learning over the years. But anyways, um, we're down in Idaho and, um, Dan has just that epic hunting where there's, um, a big group of does and bucks all over. He arrows that tall and heavy one. And I get there that night and he's so stoked show me that buck so stoked to take me into this drainage and cut me loose in there and so we get into that drainage fogged in the first morning but we're seeing bucks and um we're just not seeing anything that's a, a big heavy older deer like i saw a couple different four points that were on the edge you know probably like 155 160 inch deer but younger And uh, I just kind of passed. I've had a great mule deer season, and I'm stoked. Dan got his buck. Like um, that was the whole goal. I was going down there to just help Dan, even though I got a tag. It was like, man, I just want to help my buddy Dan get one. I just shot one, you know, in Montana. Um, And uh, but yeah, Dan killed his buck, so now we're hunting for my buck, and so pretty soon now I'm the shooter and. Um, and then Sunday we go back and see some smaller bucks and I finally spot a buck that I'm pretty interested in and he's way down below. We got to lose about a 1, thousand, 1500 vertical to go get on him, but he's rutting these does and. He's got really good fronts. His backs are a little weaker, but he's heavy and older and, you know, 165 inch deer, or something like that, 24 wide. Just a really nice muley buck that I'd be stoked to get down really nice and heavy. And so, and it's the last day we're there. You know, I'm just there for a couple days. Like told Dan, well, let's go have some fun. You range fine for me and we'll go see if we can get on him. We get down there and, and, uh, God, we're just trying to move around all these deer, all these different does and groups of deer to kind of try to get around on this buck. There's another great big two point down there and another smaller two point. And, um, anyways, we get around, we can't find this bigger buck and we had seen like these nine or 10 does down below us. And we figured, well, let's just go look in that group, see if there's a buck with them. We hadn't seen a buck yet with them, but see if there's a buck and we kind of make our play for the end of the day. And it's Sunday, you know, we got to drive five, six hours home. Um, you know, I, I want to keep hunting and do everything I can do, but we've done it. We're glassing everywhere and we spot some other younger bucks, but just nothing that I'm quite looking for. And I can't find that decent buck. And all of a sudden we go over the ledge a little bit more and it starts going off. We see that buck. Then we see another buck that's just as big with stickers and they're cruising around us and they're they're out there at 80 90 yards and they're just they're going freaking nuts there's 30 40 does in the bottom and now all of a sudden we're starting to spot these different deer i mean i i saw i four deer in there head shoot or uh and three that i'm super excited about like uh this one which is heavy with stickers and just God, it that'd be I mean, he's a 180, 190 inch deer, like just a great big one. Another one that's wide and, you know, a couple of them that are 170 inch deer that are just heavy, big, older deer, great forks, great bucks. And so me and Dan are down there playing the game together. He's range finding me, for me, spitting me yardages, we're getting close and... We have this buck that he's like 70 off to our left. I told Dan, I said, man, if we can get 10 more yards, 20 more yards, I got this buck. And we sat there still watching all these deer around us. We probably sat there for 20 minutes. And it's just, it's evident that this buck isn't going to leave these does. You know, he's, he's right at my max yardage or, or right out of my range. And so, um we figure we're going to crawl in and so we get down and it's a pretty steep hillside and so we actually end up putting our feet first and then just snaking down the hill trying to get these these extra 20 yards on them or 10 yards on them to to be able to get into range and we start snaking down the hill and I stop and I'm catching my breath and and, uh, all of a sudden I looked to my right and here comes one of these 170 inch, 26, 28 wide, huge fronts, heavy, and he's walking right up at us. He's 20 yards. And now we can't move. We're frozen on our back. And I kind of point with my finger to Dan then Dan can see him. And this, bo- this buck walks up and it's like, your adrenaline is going through the frickin' rough. Like it's the buck that you want, the buck that you want to kill. And now here he is at 10 well, he ends up walking to about five yards. He damn near stands on us and he can see us laying there. And so he's kind of looking down at us. And Dan said he had to close his eyes. He said his heart was beating so fast. He was beating out of his chest and me too. I mean, the adrenaline is just on overload, but I know I can't move. He's like five yards staring at us. And all I can see is his rack, just this buck you want to kill and, uh, we, he kind of knows that something's off but our wind's right and so he kind of just starts moving off and I know this is my opportunity and so he's 30 40 I still can't get up like every time I go to move he, he looks back down at me and finally he gets out there at, at 50 yards or so and kind of turns with his head down and so I get up and um, I get Dan up oh during this whole encounter Dan's battery on his rangefinder dies as he's rangefinding a buck he says my rangefinder's dead and so I, I slip him my rangefinder so he can range for me and during these rutting deer they're just moving around so much and not stopping that having somebody range find you for you is such a huge asset and um so I passed Dan my range finder well as we're laying down the buck's up there and and he gets up there and I get to my knees I get my arrow knocked and I'm ready and and Dan's trying to get up and get a range on him and he gives me a range and he says 56 I said are you sure and he goes yeah 56 and so I drew back I settled my pin just like I need to like uh, those steps that I was telling you guys about, about making a perfect shot, I did it. I, I put my pin on him and just settled right behind his front shoulder, swimming in there a little bit. I execute my shot and I missed that buck clean. <laughs> I, I airballed him. Um, what we came up with is, um, you know, Dan was, we were sliding down the hill and Dan was off quartering up to my right. And I think Dan was two yards closer to this buck where he ended up going, not like Dan was in front of me where I was shooting, he was off to my right a little bit, but I think he was about two yards closer to that buck than I was. And if you know, if Dan's rangefinder went to bust it, I had enough time to rangefind that deer. I passed up a shot that he was kind of quartered to me. I had the range, but he just wasn't broadside enough to send that arrow. So I waited, he took a couple more steps. I drew back and fired or whatever, but um, I think I shot right underneath him. I think I was at least two yards if not three yards kind of behind Dan and Dan's range I didn't add anything to my range I dialed right to 56 I think I was more like 58 or 59 and uh, I think I ended up shooting right under him and um yeah it blew up that buck blew up the other deer blew up and that was my opportunity um I had nothing to do but hike out of there but what an encounter to be able to get another day like that and to share it with Dan it would have been so sweet to arrow that buck and um you know, been a pro or whatever but uh you know misses happen and especially when you're shooting those longer yardages they're just 50 60 that god dang it man they those are tough shots to make you really got to sit on your shots which i sat on my shot there it's just like there's so many variables that can go wrong and in that fog of adrenaline god you just got to be thinking about every single detail what's the wind doing what's what's dan's range what's my range which god it's just like those little things will just bite you so um there i i went from the highest high i had killed montana buck to now i'm riding another miss you know down in down in idaho but um fun encounters man so fun uh i just love playing the game so um i'm up against it again thanksgiving today and uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get out of here and sneak out of here for another weekend dan can't come be a solo trip but try to get down there and um Do Thanksgiving today, hang out with family, and got some stuff I got to take care of tomorrow. It's supposed to be snowing down there anyway, so it's tough to see in that snow. Um, But try to just run down tomorrow at some point, get down there. going to be tough to get into that area if the snow gets deep or whatever so i'll bring my skis might have to come in from the bottom i got other areas i want to check out down there um you know just come home and after finding those locations or dan take me to those that drainage and that spots now it's just exploring and expanding learning that entire unit where deer are and we grabbed some other vantage points we saw bucks in other places and so you're just transposing that information and that the way that draw lays out, and and uh, the way that side hill faces, and finding the the groves of aspens they really like, and um, just going through all that information, trying to compile it, trying to find different areas to hike to. So yeah, I mean I got like five or six spots that I want to get to really bad in there, and um, you know this drainage is just one of those drainages, like surrounding drainages. You know, it might be a handful of deer or a handful of deer and a, and a decent buck in there, but this one has just got a 100 deer in it, and it's got 8, 10 different bucks, and, I mean, those are those spots you're looking for. And it just, it's, it's so easy when you're trying to find a new spot to to give up on it, uh, to give up where you're hiking, to give up on your vantage point, to give up on the unit. And it's just like this eternal drive that no, I'm going to find a good spot. And so, you know, when you're finding these areas that you're going to hunt and you're coming up with theories of where they are, you just give it all you got. The, the reason we found that big party me and Dan, that is, when we went down. Like, um, we weren't seeing shooter bucks. We were finding deer, and, and it was good hunting, and we were seeing bucks, but I couldn't find anything I wanted to shoot. We finally spotted that one down in that bottom, that heavier deer. When we went down there... We just revealed some country that I couldn't see from anywhere else, and once we got down there, all those bucks were down there. They were running like crazy. I watched a, a buck breed a doe in the bottom. There's bucks cruising all over. They're posturing towards each other. Like, it is going off going absolute nuts, and was for two days. We just didn't know it because we didn't dive off the hill that far and lose 1,500 feet elevation to look into the very bottom of that draw, but... Just that extra effort constantly pays off. And even if you're not finding deer, like you're you're in nature, you're cruising country, you're hiking, you're glassing, you're doing what you love to do. But it, it's just when you're finding new areas, you just don't get discouraged. I'm just constantly looking for new areas, theorizing new units to hunt. And that epic hunting, it, it, it the payoff is so worth it. When you get into some of those mule deer rut fests like that or elk rut fests, and it's just insane, crazy running action. Like, it thrills me to to my core. Like, uh, there is nothing in life I like more than just being in it with my bow in my hands, trying to make something happen. And when you get into that many deer and that many quality bucks, it's just a matter of time before you make it happen. And, um... It's just so awesome. I'm so fortunate and thankful because it's Thanksgiving. I'm so thankful, you know, to have good buddies and and thankful that, you know, I've got good legs under me that I can find these spots and and um, I I, I love this this sport or this challenge we have this bow hunting. It's it's just a, it's such a crazy game and um I've just found something in life that I just absolutely love to do and I I got to mix and match that um you know definitely with responsibilities and family and it is a balance. Um, and, and I went on so many great adventures, so many different States, different places this year. Like I am just, I'm living the blue collar dream and comparison is a thief, of all happiness. Like you can't, like, I can look at other people hunting sheep or have more days or have more this or more that killed a bigger buck and, and, um, I, I just, uh, you know, you can rob yourself of that happiness and be inside your own head or comparing yourself to guys on Instagram, but it's all about you and and your experience in life. And for me, I am living it. Like I, I'm going on these adventures. And for me, like I, so moving forward and into next season, some of my goals, you know, definitely want to, I want to work on my shooting like an absolute madman. I want to go a hundred percent on a season. I want to make every shot. I, uh, yeah, I, I got it. I'm right on the precipice. I've made some good shots, but I've also had some misses this year that um, I need to get better and overcome. I want to be in good shape. I'm so healthy and and so happy when I'm when I'm running full time. When I run today with my dog, but I I just can clear my head. I can think about my problems clearly. Uh, it's just so healthy for me to burn off that energy. And and two, I feel like I'm paying my dues towards hunting season. And now hiking anywhere, it just doesn't scare me. I'll go anywhere. I'll pack a deer out of anywhere. As long as it's the one I want, I'll pack an elk out of anywhere. But I can just go miles. I've just strengthened my mind and my legs and my body to where, you know, it's a... It's, uh, uh, and also like I run all winter long in the cold. So hunting that day when it was 20 below at the wind chill, 30 below at the wind chill, it doesn't bother me. I, I just, I'm, I'm out there enjoying it. I can be out in the elements. I can suffer. I'm built for it. And I want to continue to be built for it and, and continue to in, improve, you know, my, my fitness level and also my mental, uh, my mental strength, my, uh, you know, to, to keep pushing and finding these new areas and having these adventures. So the one thing I can really work on, um, you know, as I had too much stress during this hunting season, like the November rut has been so awesome. I wish I just had more time where I could take a week. I I'd have a bomber buck dead in Montana and Idaho. And, and, um, you know, when I, I know I can't, I can't be retired. I need to make money, but I've got myself in a good financial position where I've, you know, I paid all my debt down in these houses, you know, I, I build them for free and then I'm able to sell them. I'm able to make money, roll that into the next one. And so I don't have that big of a mortgage and we live in just a nicer house than I deserve, you know, it, it's just a, a dream house for me, but I've been able to pay it down. So my debt is so low. I like, I don't need to make much money. So during hunting season, I would rather make less money or no money, and be able to hunt more. And it's not that I, I I like working hard and and I like building these homes for people, but I've just had too much stress on me this season. I'm trying to build this home and be responsible for it as I'm trying to go on all these adventures. And I keep guys on the job site, but there there's just issues and problems that come up. And if you're not there every day dealing with it, it just adds stresses. You've got budgets and uh, picking up, and, you know, keeping in front of your crew, getting things, and so. Like I've just kind of had this nagging stress on me all the time of stuff I need to get done. And when I'm here at the house, I'm trying to scramble. I'm just trying to fit so much in and hunting season that I, I just want to enjoy it a little bit more. And so, you know, I've, I'm in the position where I can structure myself a little bit different during hunting season where now, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave somebody else in charge. If I got to hire a project manager, if, uh, you know, I leave my dad in charge, which I do a lot. Um, but, and, and just everybody knows coming into it that, you know, during hunting season, I'm going to save all my money. And then when it's hunting season, I'm going to focus on that and, and focus on that and focus on my family, but I'm just not going to try to do everything. Like I got too much and too much stress to where I'm, you know, I'm in cell phone coverage and I'm trying to answer questions and I, I just, I could enjoy the experience more if I just, um dedicate to myself to it a little bit more and you know I can also work on my personal investments a little bit more there's great opportunities here for building houses and selling them and you live in them a couple of years you get out of paying the taxes on the profit you make and there's so many great opportunities there and you know I just um, I've worked hard over the years and I've got myself to a good position I don't make a bunch of money or anything but I um, I don't have a lot of debt so I don't need to make a bunch of money and I've I've got money stuck away for a rainy day and and uh, my rainy day is uh, during hunting season so that's that's something I'm, I'm really going to set myself up for is, you know, I'm, you know, the years keep clicking off. Like I would love to be able to take a whole hunting season and focus on that and just have that be what I do and not be trying to scramble back and forth, answer calls, have an extra stress. So that's something I need to work on. And then just, just making sure I'm prepared that, that, that bow, man, you just can't ever rest on it and, uh, rest on your skills that you have. You just always got to be pushing to get better and pushing to improve. And so i I'm going to work hard on my bow game that I, I had, uh, uh, three, four misses this year, I think. So, um, that's way too many, um, three, four misses. And what, uh, I think I've harvested five, six animals now this season. So, um, you know, it's, um, it's good. I've done good. I've made some good shots and, uh, you're just always learning, always involving, uh, uh, always trying to get better. At least that's me. And, and then two, I also, um, you know, you got this construction job, you're trying to finish this house, you're trying to hunt. And then I've got the podcast and my writing. So I'm going to make sure that I clear my schedule with that too. I'm going to try to pre-record a lot of podcasts. And then I love recording every time I have the opportunity, a good guest or I'm on a good hunt. So I'm, I'm going to take advantage of that. Um, but yeah, I just need to get in front of it. So you know, I don't have all these deadlines and responsibilities and, and, and things that I'm also trying to handle while I'm trying to hunt. It just takes away from the experience. And, you know, it kind of overwhelms me when I, I just got so much stuff and I'm behind on this and behind on that. I need to get a billing out. I need to, you know, you're always trying to pay the guys, you know, pay your crew and, you know, everybody's got to be paid every two weeks. You know, there's, there's no, you know, when you're an employer, you know, or, um, you got to, got to make sure your employees are paid. And so, you know, you just got all this extra stuff that you're worried about that. I, I want to start to eliminate that. Like I said, I've worked hard to get myself to a good position and that's something I'm going to work hard at. I don't really need to go on any more adventures. I went all over heck this year, but, uh, I love these adventures. I love challenging myself. I love having the days to go do it. Um, it's, uh, we're so fortunate this, uh, you know, I, I, um, the public lands that we have and the opportunity that we have to be able to hunt these different places have these amazing adventures on on some of the most pristine wild lands out there and uh take on the ultimate chess match of a bow and arrow versus a mule deer and elk or coos or whatever the the challenge is antelope but uh that's so fun man i just uh i'm into it i i just uh You know, you think you'd you'd get tired out, you do it for 20 years or whatever, and you've got more stuff in the outdoor industry you're doing. It never gets old to me, man. It's always like lighting a fire under me. I always feel like my fire is burning hotter and and, um, brighter every single season. I look forward to it more and more. I look forward to the challenge, look forward to running more miles, mentally strength uh uh strengthening my my mental game, my shooting, my it's just this it's this thing that you never master. You're always working at, you know, and I just it's uh I like constant improvement, constant challenge. It keeps my brain active. I'm just happy when I'm thinking about those things. So um anyways, that's my mule deer season. Man, I meant to go about an hour on this thing. I'm already an hour twenty, but uh finding those epic spots and improving your hunting game. What a late season rut hunt. I'm going to Head to Idaho again this weekend. Um, you know, I got a couple more weekends left. See what I can make happen. I got a family trip to coming up. So I'm going to miss the, the last weekend of the season. But yeah, just see what I can do here. Getting really close to finishing this house. It's coming out beautiful. They're just great owners, great people. And uh, what a showpiece for me and my company. Just a, an amazing house. And so I'm really proud of that. I'll be taking some pictures of that. I don't post much of that on my Instagram. I know it's a it, it is a hunting podcast not a building podcast but uh you know it's just uh sharing these pieces of my life um so pumped to be able to hunt with family hunt with my daughters share those great hunts this season fit in my own great hunting and everything i planned to do i was able to do in some capacity you know and so um man super super fortunate super thankful uh i better get to thanksgiving dinner my sister's having a bunch of bunch of us up bunch of family up there um it'll be fun go up there and and uh have some turkey, and, and uh, relax a little bit, and uh, take care of some stuff tomorrow, and um, back to the mountain hunting, man, that I Idaho spot about so killer, man, oh man, just big mountains too, it's just built for me, and, and Dan, big mountains, so you gotta be in good shape to traverse into that country, deep snow and cold, it's tough, there's a lot of people around, I'm not going to lie to you, you know, there's a lot of Idaho residents that are around hunting, and, and a lot of guys glassing from the roadways, and they got it figured out, every pull out, every every bump out, so it's just a matter of hiking into these different locations, and hiking in, and finding deer, finding the does, you find the does, you're going to find the bucks, and um, we got that one drainage, it's got a hundred deer in it, and then uh, found some other drainages that's holding some good bucks as well, and in some good numbers, um, so it isn't easy, there's a lot of spots they're not, and there's pressure, but uh gosh if you can just you know i'm used to general rifle season in montana pressure so um you know while there's a lot of guys around and a lot of guys that are hunting hard um I just you just i just finding my own niche in there hiking these canyons putting putting forth um, more effort and more energy and, and uh finding these things so hopefully uh I get lucky and get back into them this weekend I don't really need to kill another one or anything um it's just so fun trying. Um so I look for a good heavy bucker I won't shoot one and and uh, we'll go from there but uh thanks a bunch of you guys for all the support I sure appreciate it I I can't believe you guys listened to me for an hour and 20 minutes ramble about my my season and my hunting um but I I'm just so fortunate so thankful that a, like a blue collar average guy like me um you know can have this platform to to share this advice and have other good guests on and that that you guys enjoy to listen and and you guys are finding successes season from it and uh, learning from it um yeah seriously from the bottom of my heart i really appreciate it you guys it's um it's just when somebody gives you their their support and um, you know gives up an hour of their their week to to listen to what you have to say. It's uh, it's humbling and uh, amazing and, and and I just don't want to let you guys down. I, um, a big part of this podcast is me having good guests, uh, me getting better at my delivery. Um, it's also me having these crazy adventures. It's me you know having this this mule deer rut hunts and these elk hunts and antelope and early season mule deer, pushing my own limits and then sharing with you guys. And if I can find that that next level success, any of you guys can, it's out there for the taking. I'm not hunting any private ranch. I'm not, you know, I'm hunting all public ground that you guys can hunt on all easy to draw tags. Like it's just, um, committing yourself and it's, it's learning and evolving and, and getting your skill level to a place where you can locate quality animals consistently and then be able to close deals on them. But that's what this podcast is all about. And I wish you guys all the success. Um, yeah. Check in with you guys next week.